0: So, anyway, uh, during this series right now. If you look in front of your bulletin, it says, you know, it's it's about your calling. And we're looking at this idea of God calling different people all through the history of Scripture, even all the way up until today, um, to cross a threshold to a new level of obedience, a new spiritual point with Him, something that is happening where He is doing something, He's pulling you there, and He's presenting you with what that is. For some reason, God leaves that in our hands. And He call, and that's what the whole reason for that word call is. He's calling us across that threshold. And so we've looked at all these different characters. And today we're actually going to look at, at two characters uh, from the New Testament. Um, and This is uh, Mary and Martha. Some of you are familiar with these two in the New Testament. It's be, we're going to be in John 11, so if you want to turn over there. Here is the thing, the main thing that I want to try to show you about the lives of these two women from the story that we're going to look at is that Mary and Martha were called to believe in the most stressful circumstances. They were called to absolutely put their faith in Jesus in the most stressful circumstances. When things were the hardest, this is the place that they were called to truly believe. And, uh, that really I mean if there's nothing else that I could say I would say to you for application and for myself when you walk out of here what I'm, I'm hoping is that that's the point that we will be at that we will be willing to consider truly believing truly all of our faith in Christ despite the circumstances that, are, that surround us so before we do that though I want to uh, I want to try to get us into the mind, see through the eyes of Mary and Martha, just for a minute. just wanted to try to, to settle into who they were and where they were. Uh, this story we're going to look at, John 11, is the place that, uh, the actual, uh, the story is the story of the, of the raising of Lazarus. So, if you've been to church in your life, you've probably heard about Lazarus and this amazing miracle that Jesus does near the end of his ministry. This, this is something that's, Unheard <clears throat> of is, is, is to blow people away. But before, we're not going to actually talk about that thing. What we're looking at, at is the run up to that event. What's happening in the lives of Mary and Martha before that. And that's all in John 11. See, Mary and Martha are siblings with Lazarus. So there's these three children, they're grown children, that are very, very close. And I want to. If we, just for a second, even though it's cool and and rainy here, maybe try to put ourselves for a second in their setting. You know, you can all, if you watch the news, you can picture the Middle East setting. It's dusty. It's very non-technological. There are no airplanes flying over anywhere at all. It's just there. What they have is there. There's no middle class. There's the poor, and there's the wealthy <clears throat> um, if you could, say, and, and, uh, these two women are in a place where they're so close to this brother. And, and sometimes, when you, if you even watch the grieving of the Middle Eastern family, it's, kind, it's different often than how we do it. And they intensely grieve, right? There's a closeness about the family that is. Uh, Something, I think, maybe a little beyond what some of us in the West can understand. Well, uh, this is happening for them. But one thing about this family is that they have a little bit of money. They must be on the upper-class side of things. Because, for instance, in the story that we're going to read, they send a messenger to Jesus. Like, I complain about sending... I want to send an email because a letter costs 42 cents. Right? Uh, sorry, whatever it is now. Is it 42? Uh, that's how many letters I send. So... Uh, <laughs> What would, they can actually send a person to deliver a message. Right? Also, you'll see in the story in a minute when we read it that they have a lot of friends. These people are coming out of Jerusalem to, to Bethany, where they are, and they're, they're gathering around and There are people who are networked. If you know anything about poverty, if you are in poverty, you have a very, very small network. These people clearly have a great big network, people coming and walking miles. Like a full day, but not a full day, but a far journey to get there. Right? So they have those kinds of connections. Uh, you know, friends that can travel. That's something that was was not uh, necessarily a part of the, the lower class there. And the thing about these, these people is that these two women, they were followers of Jesus, and so was Lazarus. Okay, now Jesus has only been in ministry for three years. Three years is short, 2012 to 2015. That's the whole scope of the thing. So when they say they were really close to Jesus and they were followers of Jesus, they've made a pretty big decision in a pretty quick amount of time. You see what I'm saying? If you really try to get inside their shoes and see where they were, they have made a big commitment. And here's the big contrast that I'd like to to try to paint for you for a second. that Most of the people that were following Jesus were people who were poor. I mean, Jesus is an outcast in a way. He's a rebel rouser. He lives in the wilderness. I mean, for crying out loud, we know some people who do that. you guys? <laughs> look at Look, yeah. Uh, so here is an upper class family that has decided to follow Jesus, and everyone knows it. And their friends are Jewish people. Their friends are actually coming out of Jerusalem. They're, they're committed Jewish believers like that. And Jesus would have offended their friends. Okay? So maybe if we could settle into their setting and maybe even maybe even zoom up to your day, our day. When I talk about following Jesus, I mean really following Jesus, I mean believing in Jesus and that he is who he said he was, that puts me in opposition to a lot of people. In mean, here, it's a pretty safe place to say something like that. But I mean, in most of the places that we come from, our workplace, especially our communities, our country, that is something that uh, sets up a great contrast. And in that sense, I think we're a lot like these two. Let's look over at the passage. Now that we've kind of got a picture of where they are, it's kind of a long one. It's probably printed at like minus two point in your (laughs) your bulletin, so pull out your glasses. Uh, This is from John 11. We're just going to read through this. We're going to skip a a little piece of this in the middle, but I'll tell you what that is. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary. I need my glasses. (laughs) A certain man was Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who would anoint the Lord with ointment and wipe his feet with her hair. That's something that would happen later, but John's just giving us a preview of that. He's saying, this is who this person is, Mary. It was their brother who was ill. So the sister sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he who you love is ill. When Jesus heard it, he said, "This illness doesn't lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it." <clears throat> now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is a confusing verse right here, in verse 6. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay, the so there doesn't really make a lot of sense. Okay, skip down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus did arrive in Bethany, when he finally got there, he found that Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days. So he was ill when he got Lazarus was ill when Jesus got the message, and by the time he gets there, he's been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, to Martha and Mary to console them concerning the brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And can you see these two One, Can you see that setting? Martha's like, you know, i doing And Mary's like, I'm And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know He'll, he'll rise in the resurrection in the last day. I know that, that he'll be in heaven. I know that. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die spiritually. And do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary and said to Mary in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. In other words, he's he's near Bethany. He wants you to come. And when Mary heard it, she rose quickly and she went to him. And Jesus had not come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met. And when the Jews, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, and his spirit was greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved Lazarus? And some said, Could he not have opened the eyes of the blind (laughs) Could he, could he, not he, who opened the eyes of the blind man, also have kept this man from dying? This is our story. This is the place, this is the space that Mary and Martha are in. We want to look at what's happening. And there's three interactions that they have with Jesus that I want to walk through briefly with you. One of them is this. They send a message to Jesus together. And he responds with, I'm not gonna Nothing's going to happen. And then the next interaction is Martha going directly out to she so marches right out to Jesus and confronts him. Uh, and he responds to her with a challenge. And then third, Mary hid from him. That was her just that was how she was going to react. She was going to hide from him. But he invites her personally into his presence. So let's talk about that, that thing that they do, where they send this message to Jesus uh, and invite him. To come and heal the brother, right? This is the very obvious thing. It's in verse three. The sisters sent to him, saying, "Lord, the one you love is ill." Right? They throw that in. You love Lazarus, so you've got to get here. You've got to help us out, right? I have to confess to you that my prayer life, my spiritual life, my relationship, and my interaction with God is a whole lot richer and healthier when things are not going well. Some of you might relate to that. Like, when things are hard, that's when I'm like, I'm calling out. I'm sending the messages, right? You can picture these women. They have this desperate situation. They've actually seen Jesus heal people. They've seen this happen. They, they absolutely believe in Him at that point, and they say, Jesus, you can come and make this right. And so you, can, you can picture the situation. that They invite a messenger. They give him the message, or her, or however this works, and they send the messenger, and they watch that messenger go, over the right? That's what what I would have done. I'm desperate at this point. I'm watching the person go, and they're going to get Jesus, and they're going to bring it, and everything's going to be okay. So they're banking on this thing happening, and then Jesus doesn't come for a while. Um, You know, that had to be confusing. it was not that far of a distance. They knew that he could do this, but he doesn't respond to them doesn't do what they want. You know, if you were here last week, I asked a question of you, and we looked at this idea of what is the thing that is your treasure? What is the treasure that you have, that thing that you hold on to more than anything else? That's the last thing you'll ever let go of. And I really tried to actually apply that to myself, not just talk about it for once. And uh, But I was, I remember actually riding my bike somewhere this week, and I was thinking, what is my treasure? What is the treasure that, that, that is so um, important to me? I, I thought, well, it's not like money or things, although I really love that stuff. But what, it, what I came down to was, my treasure is what I want. That's me. What I want, whatever I want, is what my treasure is, and it kind of moves around. Changes from time to time. You know, always it's my family and my wife and it things, that's always in there. But my focus, my treasures changes with what I want. And when I want something and I talk to God about it, I really want it. And when he doesn't show up, that's when I get disappointed and disillusioned and angry and frustrated. Right? When I when what I want gets blocked, I get upset. And these women wanted something. They had a true, desperate, me and they reached out to Jesus and they got silence. Um, That had to be really confusing. Well, that in the midst of that, their brother dies, he's in the grave, in this tomb, for several days, and Jesus shows up. And you can imagine the emotions, they're still all these people are still within grief. You know when people are at your house after a tragedy or something, it's like days and days. This is what's happening for them. And suddenly their one hope shows up four days later. Probably not thrilled. Martha gets up and right right away it says. Look at verse 20. Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went and met him, but Mary remained at the house. And Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she directly confronts him. I wonder... I'm not like her, but I bet some of you are. <laughs> like, so if something happens, you're going to get to the bottom of it right now. And you're going to address it, and we're going to talk about it out loud. Now, I'm, I'm not that way. Just in case you need to confront me about something. Uh, she was focused on the moment, right, that Jesus, you could have done this that right now. but Jesus comes back to her with a much bigger picture. He actually says, yes, I could have fixed this. But there's a much bigger thing going on. Look at 25. This is his response to her. Essentially, they have a little conversation about spiritual life. But then in 25, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. In other words, this is much bigger than Lazarus. Martha, this is a lot bigger. I am the resurrection. I'm the person who can fix all death. Not just this one. You're you're focused on something that's important, but it's right now. It's what's in your mind right now in your heart. But I am the resurrection and the life. Over all things, I am the end of death. I will be the end of death. He tells you this really powerful thing, and then at the end of that, in 28, everyone who lives and believes, it's an issue of belief shall never die. And he says to her, do you believe this? She, he, he comes to her in the same way, right? She comes to him straight on, he goes, this is who I am, do you believe? That, that's the question I was trying to ask all of us. In the darkest, the hardest times, do you believe? Not just, do you know? Do you think? Or is it probably that Jesus is the Messiah? The one, the one who is the restorer, the one who is the one who, Right between us and God. But is your faith completely on that? Do you stand on that completely? Um, And she says, Yes, Lord, I do believe. And then she gives this incredible confession. But but here's the thing about the, the confession that she makes. She doesn't think that Jesus is actually going to do anything about her brother, right? She thinks it's done, that he's dead, that the suffering is going to continue. And in that, she still says this amazing thing. She says to him, yes, Lord, verse 27, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one, the Son of God who is coming into the world, the life. I believe that that is who you are. So even though she doesn't think she's going to get what she wants, she still believes. And you have to remember the situation. Their friends are all Jewish. And they're all skeptics of Jesus. And Jesus isn't doing what they want. And so they're all going, what? Why are you doing this? And in the midst of all that, she still says yes. Out loud, very firmly, I believe. And I think that's pretty powerful for her to do that in the midst of her suffering. So they send a message to him, and he doesn't do anything. And when he does show up, Martha confronts him, and he, turns, he doesn't fix anything. He just turns it around and asks her a question. Do you believe? Same question I think he's asking us. But then here's Mary, and Mary hides from him. Now this might be some of the way some of us might interact with the situation. This might be passive-aggressive mode. We probably split into like two halves in this. You know, there's the one who's going to go at it, and then there's the one who's going to be like, I'll let him come to me. You know, he can fix this with me if he wants to. And that's what, that seems to be, you know, Mary's like, she's got got these friends around her, and they're they're trying to console her, and she's in this moment of grief. And then Martha becomes the messenger of Jesus to her. Look at 28. So, when Martha had said this, when she gave this confession of who Jesus was, she went and called her sister Mary, and she said to her in private, she got her away from all the people, and she said, Jesus is here, and he's calling to you. Well, I think that is a really cool thing, that Jesus deliberately invites Mary. He invites her to come to his presence. And you see how she responds? She jumps up and she runs. And then it says it again, it says her friend saw her get up and, and take off. And she goes quickly to Jesus when he calls. And I think there's this, this place in there where, in these moments of suffering, it's it's very important to be aware of Jesus actually calling us into his presence. When we're doubting, when we're having trouble with belief, when the hard times are coming and when she gets to him, it says, look at it, it says she falls at his feet. She says, I counted on you, and you didn't come. And if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. And the suffering that that Mary went through at that moment was something that really moved Jesus. This is where we have that verse that, that says Jesus wept. And several times it talks about him being moved so significantly. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping at his feet, and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. in the deepest level, he was greatly troubled. So you see Jesus to- interacting totally dif- in a totally different way with both of these women. But he's calling them to the same thing. With Martha, he says these words, and she has this intellectual and spiritual processes, and yes, that is who you are. But when Mary comes and falls at his feet and she says, You could have saved him, something is happening there where she also knows that, or she believes that Jesus isn't going to do anything. It's been four days. But she still believes. Jesus doesn't have to go through this process with. There were no words that had to be exchanged. Like, let's make sure that you believe. Because you could see what was happening. that She acknowledged who he was, even in her grief and suffering. Even knowing that she's not going to get her way. Do you see that, how important this is? It's, once you hear that you're going to get your way, it makes it easier to believe. Right? We get the box checked, like, okay, but this is not that. This is prior to finding out. Can you imagine what the celebration was like? oh. You know, unless they're any incredible. But let me let me wrap up with, with this idea. I'm trying to picture what it was like when this woman had whom he loved, who was very dear to him, and who had believed in him despite all the social context that she was in. Can you imagine what it was like when he reached down to pick her up? You know? However he did that, you know, he kind of grabbed her shoulders or whatever. And He's lifting her up, right? He's really down there, and he brings her up. And you can imagine when their eyes meet. She is saying, "I, I believe," you know? and he's there. He's like, "I know," and he, and he lifts her up. <clears throat> See, this isn't this isn't really about our approach to Jesus, like how we do it, whether we're passive aggressive or go right at it and try to find things out. It's about, in the midst, the story is about in the midst of hardship, in the midst of skeptics all around us, believing. Because this is this is about faith. This is this is about more than just knowing. We're, we're talking about taking a step that's far it. from knowing to a belief is what we what we stand on entirely. The belief that Jesus is the one who can restore, who can make things right,
1: even if he's not
0: making things right. right. And so that's that is what I think they are called to, and I want to call us to. I'm going to pray for that right now. And, um, and we're going to make our way out of here. And I hope that this week we will for myself as well, we will be truly engaged around that idea. That belief comes before, may come before results, before what we want. God, I pray for, that for this family of friends and, and people, I know there are people here, lots of them, who really haven't come to that point of belief yet, but there's a lot of knowledge here, um, there's a lot of um, maybe like a, a sense about who you are, who you might be, but Lord, you are you're looking for us to put our faith completely in you. And that that's the I think a summary of that word believe. And, and so Lord I think for all of us the, the question is do we believe? And Lord, I pray that in the midst of hardship or skepticism or any kind of pressure that we feel from the outside that we would be able to say yes you are the one who restores all things. We trust you and put our faith in. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, we all have a fantastic week. Enjoy the cool weather.